Welcome to the Orchard Podcast, a resource of Orchard Africa. The mission of Orchard Africa is to equip the church to care for the vulnerable. For three decades, a passionate community of churches, leaders, and donors have worked together to feed, educate, care for, and empower under-resourced communities in Southern Africa. To date, Orchard Africa and its partners have served over 10 million meals to families in need, cared for over 75,000 orphan children, and enrolled 8,000 children in high-quality early learning programs. All of this takes place through local African leaders to help communities move from survival to stability to sustainability. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome to the Orchard Podcast. My name is Brian Lemieux, and I'm the executive pastor of Orchard Africa. And uh, I'm here with Mike and Michelle Tessendorf, the co-founders of Orchard Africa. And it's a new year. Happy New Year. Hi, everyone. Happy New Year. Yeah, and 2022 sounds so futuristic. (laughs) Mike and I were talking about it, and we kind of figured that by 2022, we'll be flying around in hovercraft vehicles and uh, have a robot that serves me. (laughs) Beam me up, Scotty. (laughs) (laughs) Didn't happen, didn't happen. Mm. Now, I do have a little robot that cleans my floors, so that's just... Yeah, we're getting there. We we do call her Rosie, like the Jetsons (laughs) Rosie, but that's that's as far as we've gotten. Well, with a new year, um, this podcast uh, is designed to uh, resource you with tools, ideas, concepts, and conversations to help you as you start a new year to uh, make the the greatest impact in the places of greatest need in our world. And so with that in mind today, and with the idea of vision casting and envisioning the the year ahead, we want to look at a passage where Jesus was doing the very same thing and used that as the context for our conversation about making a missional mm-hmm. impact this year. And it comes from Matthew 24, 25. Yeah, you, may, you may remember that passage. You may have studied that passage, but it starts out with the disciples, and they're saying, Jesus, would you help us to essentially envision what it's going to be like when you return? Yeah. What should we be looking for? What What are the signs that will tell us that uh, that you are coming and your kingdom has arrived? And and Jesus takes that question about vision, and he does spend some time on. Uh, Here are some signs that will show the end of all things, and the trumpet will be blown, and I will appear in the clouds. And he does some of that. He he answers the presenting question, but then he spends. A whole lot of time answering a very different question, not the question of what will it look like when I return, mm-hmm. or what will be the signs, or here's how to uh, read read the the signs of the times. But he's saying, what are you going to do mm. between now and then? Right. And that's chapter twenty five. Yeah, mm-hmm. and he's so mm. smart in the way he brings that right about. Mm. What are you going to do about mm. it? He has this uncanny way of getting to what's most important. Mm. And we often have all of these questions that we want answered, but God is constantly saying, well, what's the most important? What's the most valuable thing that will transform your life and, and make yeah. an impact? Kind yeah. of like you're asking the wrong question. <laughs> so he, he yeah. gently kind of redirects. Yeah. And so in 25, he tells three parables. And the first parable is the parable of the ten virgins, and essentially he's saying, the time is short. Yeah. Be ready. And the next parable is the parable of the talents, 
And in that talent, he's saying, since the time is short, invest your life in what makes the greatest impact. Multiply your impact and in your influence. And then in the, the third parable, which is the one we want to spend some time on today, uh, he says, uh, serving the vulnerable, serving the least of these is of utmost importance. Mm. And that's where he lands. Mm. So he takes his progression of time is short. Don't waste your life. Make an impact. Multiply your life. And then he says, the least of these are, are vitally important. And so focus on the right things. Yep. I think it'd be worthwhile just even to read through that. Uh, Mike, would you? Yeah, I'm going to read. Would you read that for us? uh, Matthew 25, beginning in verse uh, 34. And it says, Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry. And you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you? or naked, and clothe you? And when did we see you sick, or in prison, and visit you? And the king will answer them, Truly, I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these my brothers, you did it to me. Yeah. I think there was a profound silence Mm. immediately Mm. following that statement. Mm. Yeah, because as you rightfully said, Brian, they started off in saying, well, what are the signs, you know? Mm. How will Mm. we know when your kingdom has come? And he ends up by Mm. saying, well, when you serve the least of Mm. these. So why? Why Mm. do you think? I, I, I always have to stop and ask when I get to these kind of passages, why did Jesus say this? Yeah, he really takes this conversation to a whole nother stratosphere of importance where he says, uh, what you've done to the least of these, you've done to me. Mm. And for the last 20 centuries, we've been wrapping our minds around that huge thought. And I think that's a good question. So sometimes we talk about, well, what did he say? Mm-hmm. But the question of why, why did he make that kind of enormous mm. statement it is it's important and you know for me the the first thing that comes to mind is that we are god's image bearers mm. um mm-hmm. we created in his image and we bear that image in us and so uh caring i mean jesus cared for those he came across every single day so as an image bearer of christ that should be part of who we are so that is one thing that comes readily to mind. Mm-hmm. Um, to me, throughout Scripture, it seems like God has a, a special concern for the least of these, the vulnerable. Um, and over and over in Scripture, that kind of uh, God's heart for that comes out. Um, one one uh, verse of Scripture, which I think speaks so well to me it says in psalm 35 where is his equal in all of heaven and earth who else protects the weak 
and the helpless from the strong, mm. and the poor and the needy from those who would rob them. Um, and this is this is David speaking out praise to God, and one of the things he praises God about is about the fact that God has this deep concern. Uh, he's a hero for the way he's concerned about mm. the vulnerable, the, mm. the, the poor, the needy. Right. So and if I think he's Jesus, concerned. Jesus is just trying to get that into the minds of his disciples mm. that yes. uh, between now and then, guys, I, I want you to have this in your heart. Mm. You know, kind of be image bearers or image imitators mm. of your Father in heaven. That's how he is. Mm. One of the interesting notes at the beginning of that parable is Jesus uses a, uh, a metaphor for, well, it's like the, the shepherd who's looking at his flock and he's separating the sheep and the goats. And the way that I read that is ju- just as easy as it is for a shepherd to know his flock and to know the difference between a sheep and a goat. In, in the same way, uh, it's easy for God to be able to identify those who are his sheep or his followers. And he's saying in very strong words in this parable that a cent- central to what it means to identify with Christ is to identify with the poor. So much so that he says, I even, Jesus says, I even identify mm. with the poor. Mm. And on one side, that's metaphorical in the sense that um, he cares so much for the poor and the least of these that he um, he emphasizes and raises the level of them. But then if you just look at Jesus's life, I mean, he, he frankly was poor. He, yeah. he was the least of these. Yeah. He was beaten. He was in prison. He was hungry. He was, I mean, just look at his life. Right. On some level, Jesus is saying, uh, don't you see the life that I've lived? I think maybe there's even an irony when the people say, well, when did we do that? Well, like, when, when were you those things? Well, did you not forget my story? You know, where, where I'm, where I'm headed. And so for us to identify with the needs of the poor, identifies us as as sheep as as his followers yeah, that's a good point it's it's a good way in which to recognize the difference between sheep and goat but i still ask why you know mm. um we've got to dig a little <clears throat> deeper uh, why why did jesus say when you do this to the least of these you do it to me that's what i want to know why where he makes it so personal um and I have to wonder if it's got something to do with the rest of the parable and the rest of those two chapters, which speak so much about the kingdom. He's using analogies about the kingdom. Yes. And it's all about the kingdom of God. And God is building this society, this community, uh, this kingdom of God. Mm. And if he's building this kingdom and the society, surely within that society, um, when you work together uh, helping the least of these or you working together in the society with him, you're doing it to him. This is his mm. kingdom that he's mm. building. Mm. There's something about the kingdom in his response. Uh, when he says, when you do it to the least of these, you're doing it to me. I'm the king of this kingdom. Mm. So when you do anything to the subjects of my kingdom, you're doing it to me. Mm. Um, you mm. know, I, I think Jesus 
sticks to the point, even though he, he brings us to the most important point. The point was about the kingdom, if you read all those passages that come That's before right. that. Mm. I, th- I think Jesus is trying to help us see practically um, what does it look like to worship and serve a God who is invisible? And the Bible says that uh, no man has seen God, and we understand that. But yet in the New Testament, uh, the, the Scripture says to us, how can we say we love a God who we cannot see if we don't even love our brother who we can see? And I think to, to answer why is Jesus saying this, um, and, and why, is it, why is he saying it, it, it's to me, it's because if, if we direct our service and our love and our compassion uh, and our care and kindness to people who we can see. It focuses the attention away from us and indirectly makes God who cannot be seen Mm. visible Mm. and Mm. felt Mm. and real. And so in a sense, it's not so much doing it to Jesus but uh, or doing it for Jesus, but it's revealing him. Mm-hmm. Making this invisible God real, yes. making this unknown God personal, and to me, Jesus somehow always managed to direct questions about, uh, well, how, how how do we love you? How do we guarantee our our place in the eternal kingdom? The rich young ruler wanted, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And he came up with the parable of the Samaritan. Mm. about you know, doing mm. likewise, mm. loving your neighbor mm. as yourself. Here, about caring for the vulnerable, the naked, the poor, the sick, the, 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 the lonely, the prisoner. Um, somehow he always directed that question of, if, if, if you really want to enter the kingdom, then make the invisible God visible to those who are Mm. The least of these. Mm. Right. Mm. Kind of reminds me of way back in Genesis where God said, let us create man in our image. And so in order to see God, we, we see the image bearers of God. Mm. Uh, the man, the human man that he created is the visible of the invisible God. Mm. And not just physically, but the attributes of God mm. needs to be seen mm. through mm. us. Mm. And when we really see God, when we really see Jesus, we see his, his vision for a community. Yes. And I think we, we see kingdom, we, we should think community. And in this parable, he's, he's not only talking about personal injustice, but he's also talking about social injustice. Mm. And in our Western mindset, um, we tend to lean towards individual justice. It's just kind of the way we're wired in Eastern culture uh, may lean more naturally towards a social or com- community justice that that they're connected and where we are a part of a community. And when Jesus talks about the kingdom, he's saying, this is what life looks like when, when the king's in charge, when, mm. when God's in charge. This is what society looks like when God's in charge. This is what family looks like mm. when, when God's in charge. This is what your church looks like when God's in charge. Mm. And you, you almost can't separate out this idea of the ministry of Jesus and 
the priorities of Jesus and, and community and the social structure that right. he said, this, this, I want you to envision what this should look like when, when God's purposes are our highest priority. Right. And I think uh, touching back on what you said about our Western mindset, our Western mindset doesn't fully understand the term kingdom because we don't live in a kingdom mm. as such anymore. We, we think in terms of society or community. And um, Jesus is building that society. He's building that community on very strong principles of what does this look like. Um, he raises it to the level of, of saying that uh, in that society, in that community, I, I want you to place the highest level. I want you to give the, the highest regard to the poor and the vulnerable. So much so that he says, uh, when you serve them, you're serving me. Mm. So he's placing the vulnerable at, at such a high level that, that we don't miss. And I think naturally, just because of our brokenness and sin, the vulnerable and the least of these are placed at the lowest level. Mm. Mm-hmm. Because Mike, just as you said, that there's this self-focused thing that Jesus kept, keeps uh, training the disciples around him, yeah. saying, mm. don't just think about yourself. Don't just think about self. Think more broadly about the needs of others. And, and nobody thinks about the least of these mm. yeah. unless... <clears throat> Somebody puts the light on them. Well, in terms of kingdom, um, Jesus taught us to pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Mm -hmm. We understand that there is a kingdom that is still to come. Mm -hmm. But there is also a kingdom that is now, uh, the kingdom that has come. And I, for one minute, do not think when Jesus said pray, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He was referring only to sometime in the future, uh, the kingdom that is yet to come. Um, God's will, God's Mm. uh, heart as king is for his will to be done where he is the king of the kingdom. And he is king now. His kingdom is now. Mm. His kingdom is on earth right now. And if Jesus instruction was pray for God's will to be done on earth as it is in heaven, then in my mind, he's he's saying to us, bring some of what it's going to look like in the future right to where you are today. Yeah. And in terms of the vulnerable, the the, the, the least of these that we're speaking about, um, the kingdom to come, there's no more weeping, no more sorrow, no more tears, Mm. uh, no social injustice. Mm. and Jesus is saying, pray for that to happen today. Today. Mm. 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 And, and he taught that so very clearly when he said, love the Lord your God with all your heart and mind and soul and love your neighbor as yourself. Mm. Therein is the kingdom of God, mm. loving God and loving your neighbor and loving yourself. Mm. Uh, that idea of kingdom and community, uh, a, a society. Can you Im- just imagine that, a society where everybody loves God and loves their neighbor and loves themselves mm. fully and wholly. Mm. And the interesting, interesting part of that is this was not the first time this was said. <laughs> you know, when, uh, when I read Matthew 25, um, I think uh, Jesus coined something that had, you know, 
had never been said before. And, and so many times, Jesus, in good Jewish tradition, he was always pointing back. Yeah. Always pointing back. And this was not the first time this was said. In fact, if you go back to Isaiah 58, it's almost like Jesus is quoting back yes. to this prophetic word of what society will look like when the king is in place and the king is on his throne. And Isaiah 58, let, let me just read a few verses and let me, uh, let me see if, you, if this sounds familiar to you. So Isaiah 58, verse 6, 7, and 8, and it goes like this. Um, is this not the fast that I chose? So he's first talking about worship and fasting. And then he says, no, this is, this is the kind of fast that I long for, God is saying, to release the bonds of wickedness, to undo the ropes of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free and break every yoke. Is it not to break your bread with the hungry and bring the homeless poor into the house? when you see the naked, to cover them and to not hide yourself from your own flesh. Did you see that? The, the hungry, yeah. the homeless, the naked. And then he says, verse 8, then your light will break out like the dawn and your recovery will spring up quickly and your righteousness will go before you. The glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. Mm. Yeah. It's such a beautiful passage of scripture, uh, Isaiah 58. There's so much in it. Mm -hmm. And you're right. Jesus was definitely pointing back to that, fulfilling that prophecy. And again, it's, it's this pattern of God helping or trying to get his people to be other-focused uh, rather than self-focused because the, the preceding mm. verses to that is they're all complaining about we fasted and you didn't take notice mm. we humbled ourselves mm. and you you ignored us and where yes poor mm. us look at us why <laughs> why why and you know mm. he says uh is in, in your fasting you're seeking your own pleasure and then bam turn it around mm. this is what you should be looking at mm. the others and all the, the, the things that Jesus mentioned, the, the, the poor, the mm. oppressed, um, the hungry. It's incredible. Yeah. Mm. Therein is the kingdom of God. And I want to pick it up, but I'm going to read it in the message because, you know, we're talking about this idea of the kingdom. Um, and the other words that we've used is a society or a community. Mm. So with that in mind, if we pick up from verse... Um, 10 and i'm reading from the message if you get rid of unfair practices oh that's starting to get a little mm. Mm. you know personal yeah. Mm. <laughs> yeah if you get rid of unfair practices and quit blaming the victims mm. quit gossiping about other people's sins if you are generous with the hungry not just well let's give them a piece of bread if you are generous with the hungry and start giving yourselves to the down and out your lives will begin to glow in the darkness. Mm. Your shadowed lives will be bathed in sunlight. Mm. And again, we've got this image of the kingdom. You know, when we look at uh, other scriptures about there will be no need of the sun because God is that light. Mm. And as his image bearers, we will start glowing in the dark. I just love the, that image <laughs> mm, yeah, that in his great. kingdom, we will be glowing in the dark when... We get rid of unfair practices and we don't blame those who are victims. And we 
quit gossiping about other people's sins. And we are generous to the hungry. And we start giving ourselves to the down and out. Mm. Uh, just such beautiful scriptures. Um, well, it brings another level to the idea, going back to Jesus, where Jesus said, you'll be a city brilliantly lit on a hill. Yeah. Like, wh- what does that mean? Well, it's telling us back in Isaiah 58 that what causes the light to glow? It's a, a completely different sense of the kingdom, mm-hmm. of the sense of community where right. the king's priorities are put front and center. It's not about us. Um, he's not saying don't love yourself. Clearly, love your neighbor as you love yourself. Mm. But we're on equal terms mm. here. And I think in our sinful, uh, fallen state, we think of ourselves first. And yet we are to think equally of our neighbor well, it, it reminds me of what Jesus said about being the salt of the earth and the light of the world. Mm-hmm. And again, it wasn't future focused. It was present focused. You are. Let mm-hmm. your light so shine. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting in this passage that you've just read. Uh, my Bible says your light shall rise in the darkness and your gloom will be as noonday. Uh, that when we start giving ourselves and 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 uh, being generous to those who are needy that's the light yes that's what causes it to shine mm. that's mm. what causes us to glow in the dark yeah and i want to uh, zoom in on verse 12 if i may um and i'm going to read it from the new american standard bible it's an amazing passage mm. here mm. it says those from among you will re- rebuild the ancient ruins you will Raise up the age-old foundations, and you will be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of the streets in which to dwell. Mm. And here is this image of this broken-down wall, uh, streets where people can no no longer dwell. Um, And that is a physical reality, that the walls were broken and the streets were uninhabitable. But metaphorically... They are broken down walls in people's lives. Mm. Jesus spoke about those broken down walls, mm. the people who mm. were in prison, those who were hungry, those who were thirsty. And when God created mankind, he created us whole and sound and strong and protected. But from the account in Genesis, we know that there was a breach. The enemy came in and man's soul became damaged. Mm. And that damage takes many forms. Mm. Again, we see that uh, in the scripture, hunger, thirst, being in prison. And again, that could be physically, but it could be metaphorically as well. And sometimes we allow the enemy of our soul through that breach. And sin causes death and it comes to some part of our life because of that breach. Or sometimes we can climb through that breach and hurt other people. Or they climb through our breach Mm. and hurt us. And we end up in some of these ways that Jesus spoke about. But there is good news. And Jesus came proclaiming that good news. The good news that the kingdom of God has come. Mm. That's why he came. To proclaim that the kingdom of God has come. And in God's kingdom, our souls are safe. And our souls are made whole. 
Now we know, Mike, you mentioned that this tension in the Bible that we all have to hold and balance that the kingdom has come, but the kingdom is still to come. Mm. There is that tension. We're all aware of that. Mm-hmm. But with that breach in the kingdom of God, there is a way to overcome it. Those from among you will rebuild the ancient ruins. You will raise up the age-old foundations and you will be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of the streets in which to dwell. You will be called the repairer of the breach. And we know that Jesus is this repairer, yet he calls us to be repairers as well. And therein is this kingdom mentality, is that wherever we see a breach, God has called us to be repairers of the breach. Mm. And um, I think what we're going to be doing on this podcast, or I know that we're going to be doing, is to talk about this for the year to come. Mm. This idea of uh, community, of society, and our role as repairers of the breach. Mm. And, you know, I have to ask this question If we read Matthew 25, those scriptures, what if we took that seriously? What if the church took that seriously? Mm -hmm. Imagine. Imagine the transformation if we took that seriously and that vision began to become reality. Uh, Such rich vision in that it's kind of those two passages put together, Matthew 25 and mm. Isaiah 58, that mm. says, yeah, like you said, Michelle, imagine imagine if we lived that kind of vision out into our community and in the world. Yeah, when a broken world looks at the kingdom of God and they see that within that kingdom, my soul is safe because the breach is repaired. Mm. Beyond that, when the kingdom of God touches a broken world, the holes and the gaps and the breaches in society start being repaired. Yeah. And to me, that's how the church and us as Christians become the light. Uh, that truly is impacting society. That truly is transforming a generation. And I agree. What if we took it seriously? What difference could we actually make? Yeah, and reading back in Isaiah 58, the message, your lives will begin to glow in the darkness. Your shadowed lives will be bathed in sunlight. Mm. As leaders, uh, we have the opportunity to cast that vision and to call people to this opportunity. And Jesus was challenging his disciples to do that and pointing back to Isaiah 58. And I, I think it's been God's dream from, from day one that right. there would be this safe place where people could flourish and find wholeness and shalom, you know, using a yes ancient well, Hebrew word. Um, and as you, uh, as a leader of your home or as your leader of your community or uh, of your ministry of your church, uh, we would like to take you on a journey this year and having that conversation, what would it mean to repair that breach? So uh, 
would would you in um maybe this next week would you read isaiah 58 and just listen for what god might want to say to you as uh, you're called to um, be the hands and feet of christ and and be repairers of the breach and next month we'll be back and we'll we'll tackle some more um conversation and unpack some more about what what this means but read isaiah 58 with us pray over it and then let's have a conversation next month sounds wonderful looking forward to it all right thanks for listening in bye-bye